friends drop in on Monday night. And here we go. Welcome to episode 70 of the Moose and Roots podcast here with your NFL Pick'em Special plus some breakdown of week one in college football, Matt. Uh, for your viewing pleasure, it was some outstanding Saturday action. I know you were on hand in South Bend for I figured one of us had to be there. Fantastic, absolutely. For one of us had to be there. I took the bullet. I went. Uh, Irish win over the Michigan Wolverines. I don't think we saw the best out of the Irish on Saturday, but it was enough to get it done against a top 25 Jim Harbaugh-led team. We will get to that, but first, some big news in Bearland. Khalil Mack, the Mack attack, is back in black in Chicago. He's actually in blue now. Yeah, he's now. back in blue now. But I, I'm so hyped about this out-of-character Bears trade that... I don't care what color jersey he wears as long as he's a Chicago Bear. He can wear the orange ones that I despise for all I care. Um, so, I, first off, I want to take a little bit of pride here because I'm pretty sure I'm the one who broke the news to you um, because I, it obviously broke pretty early in the morning, even Central Time, so you were still fast asleep, I'm assuming, when this you all did. happened. You did. I woke up. I, I think woke you woke up, up to a text from me. I Am woke I up about 10, 15-ish uh, West Coast time here, Pacific time, and I woke up to a... Uh, a text from you, I believe that read. Uh, I could get the I get the actual text pulled up here, but uh, it was something along the lines. It was, it was Bears got, Mack. We got Khalil Mack, and then I, I, was that, I got was a text that something forward? along those lines. I got about two hours later a text from you. No effing way. And I was like, yes. Oh yeah, no, no. It was a screenshot of. Oh, that's what uh, it was. Shefty. Screenshot of a Shefty tweet. Yeah. Mary Bears miss, you said, and then I responded with uh, what the expletive expletive. Yes, we don't have the explicit tag on this podcast, and we can't use the words. And then you went on to take credit for the entire trade because you mentioned it here on the podcast. He must listen. I'm just saying, he must listen to the podcast (laughs) because I pretty much said the exact thing that, you know, happened and went through. And credit to Ryan Pace. It seems like he got a little bit more back than we expected he might. Uh, Grabbing us, I know he had to give up a third as well in 2020, but. Getting back another second, uh, yeah, gives him a little then. bit more flexibility. I know he's now we're now without a one and a two uh, going into next year. I, I have a gut feeling he'll figure out a way to get into the second round, but uh, we'll cross yeah. that bridge when we come to it. Um, but I mean, like we both talked about when when we did on shut it down a couple weeks ago, you hope the Bears are picking the, the Bears are going to be picking likely anywhere from twelve to twenty to twenty one mm-hmm. somewhere. Hopefully next year and then year after, you hope that bounces back. So. You hope somebody you get in that range and at the back of the first round turns out to be what half of Khalil Mack is. Like, you're picking give number me, one overall. You hope you get someone kind of like Khalil Mack. He's, give me a proven asset over a project any day of the week. With the way the Bears draft and the situation that they're in right now, I love the move because a draft pick can only vault you so high. I mean, if you draft the next Ezekiel Elliott or something along those lines. Yes, it helps you big time. But like you said, you cannot draft a Khalil Mack game ready day one or year two if we're talking about the second first round pick. Yeah. So I really like this pick because of where we are as a franchise, where we are in the development of this team, the pieces that are already in place. There doesn't, There's not as much building that needs to be done as two years ago. We've done some building. We've laid a groundwork, and now you can go out, trade for that big name. They just went out and did it on the defensive side of the ball, and a Bears defense that has been much maligned over the better half of the last decade and a half, uh, without or half decade, pardon me, the last half decade with last year aside where they showed some flashes, this is going to bring some mean back to the defense, and I think they needed it big time. Yeah, and like, I mean, what we've said here too, we talked about it again a couple weeks when we, we brought up the potential of this deal, is that this makes everybody on that defense better. It frees oh. up Leonard Floyd. Also takes a little bit of, I mean, not only does it free him up, takes... No one's getting he's doubled. Not, he's not seeing double teams, which means, you know, probably a little better chance he stays healthier as well. Uh, Eddie Goldman can still do what he do. Akeem Hicks, who was fantastic last year while being the guy who drew most of the double teams, nobody's double teaming Akeem Hicks anymore, and I'll take him one-on-one just about every matchup 
he's going to go up against this year because he's that good as well. And Khalil Mack's good enough to beat double and triples. We, we've seen it. He is. Your, and your linebackers now have an extra half second to pat their feet, read the line of scrimmage, because the line of scrimmage just bumped back about three feet or uh-huh. a yard because Khalil Mack does that. Whether in pass or in run, he resets the line of scrimmage. And if you can reset, if you're throwing a double at him and Khalil Mack isn't getting the sack or isn't making the play, but he's still resetting the line of scrimmage a yard into the backfield, well, the linebacker's job's just got a world easier, too. Uh-huh. There's no way to overestimate the impact of an all-pro edge rusher and one of the best to do it in recent memory. He's now a Chicago Bear, and the more I say it, the less real it seems for some reason. But I am so excited. <laughs> well, it I am so excited for game one, week one, against the Packers. More excited than I even was because it, it gives Green Bay something. I, I know it's going to take a while for Khalil to get up to speed fully with a defensive scheme, but Green Bay's got to get up to up to speed in a week's time to get ready for Khalil Mack. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not hard to teach Bull Rush, and I think he knows how to do that at this point. I mean, it's just about everywhere you listen to it, th- they're talking about, you know, how much is he going to play this week? Will he be ready? And most NFL experts, analysts, the guys who have played the game say, yeah, there's still some particulars he's going to need to go over, and it's not going to be the most complicated of, of assignments for him, obviously, week one. But for the most part, edge rusher is the easiest position to come in and just go from the get-go. It's, hey, go get the quarterback. Hey, don't lose contain. That's about it. Now, that's all when he's got to do. When we're digging into what you get with Khalil Mack, not from a production standpoint, but from an actual physical asset human being health-wise, he's knock on wood, stayed relatively healthy. He does not have a lot of hours on his body. He didn't start playing football until senior year of high school. He went to Buffalo because he was only recruited by two teams. Three-time first All-Mack at Buffalo. First-team All-American in 2013. Mack Defensive Player of the Year in 2013. Uh, all-rookie team in 2014, Dick Buckus Award in 2016, Defensive Player of the Year in 2016, two-time All-Pro 2015-2016, three-time Pro Bowler 2015-17, through 10-plus sacks in his last three seasons. That is an asset. That is someone that is going to change the trajectory of your franchise if he continues on that sort of trajectory. Yeah, I mean, it just it gives your defense a chance, and, and I know we've – the big counter-argument before the Bears made this trade was, well, yeah, they could use them, but they're not really ready to win yet. They're not at that stage yet where they're they're going out and, and you know sacrificing assets for a guy like this. But you know, I disagree because, yeah, technically Mac is going to be a free agent next year, but no one's someone was going to trade for him. Uh, if it wasn't yeah. the Bears, the Raiders had other offers. He wasn't going to be around. And, and while the Bears, yeah, maybe now you can start talking with this addition. They, they should contend for a playoff spot. They might not make it, but they'll be fun still. They'll, they'll win probably a few more games than we thought, but they're, they're still kind of a fringe team, and next year's really the year to do something. This guy wasn't going to be available next year, and this makes your, your next four, five, six years, it, it fast-forwards that timeline up a year and to, to the point where, yeah, I don't think we're talking an NFC championship-type contender yet, but this still you know speeds up that rebuild that we've been talking about, and it just jumps the timeline forward. If you have a guy this caliber to go out and get, you can't use, well, we're not going to be ready till next year to go move for a guy like this. It's an excuse. You go get this guy and you figure it out later because this, it's it's just a game changer that you can't really afford to A, yeah. not have on your defense, and B, go to Green Bay down the street, which was our, likely the other scenario from what it came down to. It looked like the Bears and the Packers were the two favorites to go land this guy. See, I agree with you in, in that sense, but I disagree with the fact that he was likely to go to a ready-to-win team because most ready-to-win teams already have a $100 million quarterback. We got a quarterback on a rookie deal, which allowed us to spread this money out over the I didn't the mean to say, years. by the way, he was going to only a ready- I just meant that somebody else was going to go get him. And if the Bears, oh, yes, absolutely. He, he wasn't Someone going to be was available next offseason. Back. Somebody yeah. was going to go get him. And if it was going to be somebody, it, it should be you because he's not going to be. He wasn't going to be a free agent next year. Exactly, and the fact that the Bears went out this with went at this with a uh, with a deal already in place, which I think was required to even negotiate with Mac, yeah. uh, a long term deal, not just you don't make this, this trade unless you have the the extension. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and uh, it, it's an exciting time. It, it's it's headed in the right direction, and uh, to watch Khalil Mack in a Bears jersey wreak havoc, um, it, it brings back that. Uh, 
pardon my meatheadedness, but it brings back a little bit of monster to the midway because no, it, th- that, it, that's okay to say. Like, it, it does bring back that feeling a little bit because we've been looking for an identity since yeah. Brian Urlacher. And, I, know, um, I know we went out and got guys. Peppers the one time. Yeah, Peppers was also, guys. while he was good, he was already 30. And, you know, he, yeah. he, he had a very nice tenure here, but he wasn't the elite Julius Peppers we, you know, came to know from Carolina. We have that guy now. The Bears kind of had a bunch of really, you know, solid players on that defense. And I think eventually hope Roquan Smith kind of turns into that dude in the middle. And that that's still very possible. I think he's still going to be have a fantastic career here with the Bears. But now we actually have that established guy, that go-to leader. It takes the pressure off all those other pieces. It takes the pressure off Leonard Floyd to not only on the field, you know, produce, but in his own head. Like, you know, I don't have that much pressure. It's, this defense isn't make or break on me anymore. The guys in the middle have a little attention taken off them as well in their own head because I got it this takes the pressure play. off the other side of the ball a little bit too. Yeah. We've seen we've seen what dominant defenses can do in Chicago in the past, and if you have a quarterback that's young and still figuring out his way around this league, the best thing you can do is uh, is give him good field position, give him lots of turnovers, and uh, give him net positive yardage. That that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do to a, a young quarterback. It, it, it just it sends shockwaves, positive shockwaves throughout this entire roster, throughout the entire organization. I think it's a great thing. And like I said earlier, it's so out of character that it gives me hope for the Bears in the future. Yeah, and it, you know, it was out of character for the Bears of old. It's not really out of character for Ryan, for Ryan Pace's Bears. Ryan Pace, is a, he's developing a nice little history here of if he sees his guy out there, He's go- whether you like it or not, he's going to go get him and make sure that he has his guy. He's going to live or die with those guys. We saw it with Mitch, obviously, with the trade. He saw Anthony Miller in the second round targets. That's the guy I want. I'm going to pay the price to go get him. Khalil Mack, that's the guy I want. I'm going to do what it takes to get him, and I'll cross that next bridge when I come to it. But he's doing what he can to put the best team on the field for the Chicago Bears now. And I, you got to respect that, whether it works out for him or not. Uh, he's going to go down swinging. And it's, it's nice to have a GM who's like that, you know, like that with the – you got to say it now. He's got the backing of ownership. Ownership did their part and forked over a hell of a lot of money. I think ninety million guaranteed to Khalil Mack. So it's it's nice to have that group led by Ryan Pace, who's not afraid to go out, be aggressive, and, and get the guys they want. That was that's my point exactly. Is the the connection between ownership and the front office seems seems in a better place. It, it seemed disconnected in the past that ownership would not give the okay on something like this. You always have, if you're a general manager worth your weight, you're going to put every possibility in place to get a guy like Khalil Mack in your building. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we weren't the only people looking at Khalil Mack. There were probably 20-something odd teams that put this Everyone made a phone through, call, I'm sure. Put this through their ringer and tried to figure it out. But, uh... We figured it out, and Khalil Mack is a bear, and uh, it is an exciting time to be a Bears fan. To uh, is it to Sunday get night yet? Car, uh, to get, I was going to say to get in the car, travel to uh, Ashwaubenon, Wisconsin, and let the let the cheeseheads hear us loud and proud for those headed there. I I can't wait for Sunday night now. Sunday night uh, football just it doesn't get much from better. from the Northern California uh, response to it. The Raiders are in complete dismay. No one on that roster. None of these fans. I mean, you saw the two Leo tweets Mack from. I think it was Derek Carr had one that and, was like, um, "You got Bruce Irvin, me, no effing yeah. way." Like those guys are not happy. Yeah. So now, uh, I mean, they have the Monday night game, but in a week's time, they have to figure their lives out because they just assumed Khalil Mack would be there. Um, you trust a guy with, with with little camp work. He's a, a freak of nature who's probably stayed in good shape. Uh, he's going to be here, and then you hear that you just lost the anchor of your defense. Uh, it was really a it's a it's a Las Vegas Raiders move, is what it is. Yeah, because they want to set themselves up to rebrand. They want to set themselves up to move there, uh, but pretty isn't, unattached. Isn't Khalil so Mack like the guy you want to be the, the brand. face of that? They essentially yeah. on it, looking at John Gruden's contract. They essentially said we'd rather have John Gruden be the face of our move to Vegas than Khalil Mack. Yeah, and I, mean, uh, I don't know how great it, of a look that is to your your locker room either as well. That you know we're we're going to fork over all this money to a head coach who's granted a pretty good head coach. Uh, we I'm don't know sure that. He, I, we don't know that he hasn't coached a football for, okay, game in eleven okay. years. His track record is a pretty good track record as a head coach. We don't know what, what were John you Gruden doing eleven years ago. Oh, what. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't even remember. That was a while ago. I was what? Eleven years ago. Fifteen. I didn't even have a driver's license yet. 
11 years ago, I was pretty good at football, but I wouldn't trust me to go get a first down right now is my point, Matt. That's what I, I think you, I <laughs> you know, come down with it. Time, time changes, and uh, yeah, I'll go get your first down. I think I might trust you on a, on a nice little bubble or, a, or an X so I kind of just cut up field and <laughs> hey, seven. You put Tate Musselman and Alex Garvey in front of me, I know we got seven. That's like fair. a walk forward for seven. That. But my point is, is that time changes things. Yeah. The game has changed in the 11 years, and our players responding to John Gruden they did 11 years ago with a move like this you start to question things he's got some work uh, to do to win back that locker room for sure absolutely absolutely Matt uh, we could wax poetic about Khalil Mack all uh, all week all day I but I'm sure could. and I hope that we'll have plenty to talk about in podcasts to come and I know we will so let's jump into our picks here this is the NFL Pick'em Special what we're going to do here is we're going to pick division champions we're going to pick a Super Bowl matchup and a Super Bowl champion we're going to pick a most valuable player a defensive player of the year and a rookie of the year so why don't we lead things off uh, right in our own backyards with the NFC North Matt who do you like to win the division I uh, I would love to just continue to drink the Bears Kool-Aid here, but I'm going a different direction. Yeah, I'm going to be realistic. I, I do think the Bears are – I think the Bears will have some fun this year. I think they will challenge you know a little bit early on. I think they're going to win some important games, but I don't think they're not ready to. Not putting wild card out of the question? No, I would not put wild card out of the question. I, I think jumping Minnesota and Green Bay this year might be a little bit much. I, they could surprise some people when, you know, finish second in the division. I still don't think uh, they're winning it this year. I'm going to take the Vikings. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that defense is still so good. I know Aaron Rodgers and the Packers supposedly got a little bit better, um, but we don't, still don't really know what they are defensively. Offensively, I mean, they went out and got Jimmy Graham, but Jimmy Graham hasn't been the same player since he left New Orleans, so who knows what that exactly is. Their offensive line is always a question mark, uh, and they're now going to be going up against two of probably the top five best front sevens in the NFL. Uh, four times this year in the Lions isn't bad. Lions front seven, excuse me, isn't that bad as well. So I'm going to take Minnesota, but I think Green Bay and the Bears both kind of challenge for it, maybe even win a game against Minnesota, but I, I still think that defense is so good that you can't really uh, take them off the throne yet. Yeah, I'm taking Mini as well just for that defense. We're going to see what Kirk Cousins is really made of, really worth. Uh, obviously, in the NFC East, you do have your matchups, but at the same time, uh, this is the NFC North has come into form as one of the tougher divisions in football right now. And I think that a Kirk Cousins led offense is going to um, going to struggle at times in the North. And uh, I think that I think that we're going to kind of see uh, maybe a regression from the offensive standpoint. But I still think they are the team to beat. Yeah. Where do you want to go next? Uh, uh, let's go. Well, let's stick in the NFC. Let's go to the South. Um, okay. The South is always a good time with your Falcons, your Panthers, your Saints, your Buccaneers. Uh, spoiler alert: I have one of my uh, uh, one of my Super Bowl matchup teams oh, coming out of the South. That's and that's out, a teaser. Come, well, it's not a teaser because I'm going to tell you who right now coming okay. out of the South. I love the Saints this year. I think that Drew Bra- Drew Brees is absolutely timeless. I think that um, he every single year finds a way to be unstoppable offensively. And uh, I don't know, I don't know if they made any additions defensively. I'm trying to think, but uh, I really like the Saints out of the South. The Falcons are going to be tough. I think the Panthers take a step back, and I think the Bucks take a huge step back this year. Yeah, I just I, the the Bucks seem to be heading in the wrong direction. Direction. The Falcons will do kind of what they do. I think every year. Uh, I think they'll be around ten and six, nine and seven. You know, Shows and like an idiot that team. for the twelfth straight year, Matt Ryan is my fr- my fantasy quarterback. It's you know we have still, a pe- we have still, a pension for one another. He'll still produce for you, Joe. A little I know, bit. Uh, but I, know. Th- th- I think they'll do what they do every year. Probably sneak into the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to win that division. I'm with you. I, I, I love the Saints. I, obviously, Drew Brees is is going to do what he does every year. But uh, you, you hit it. That that defense went from being pretty bad in the years past to last year, really taking a giant step forward. Um, and I, I don't see them really taking much of a step back this year. And while that, that division might be deep, uh, I don't really think the, the, the Panthers or the Falcons are you know elite talents. And I think the Saints probably do have the most firepower to go ahead and win that division. So I'm going to take them again. But I think that'll be, as it always is, I think it's going to be a three-horse race kind of down to the wire. And then the Saints probably pull away at the end. Yes, indeedy. All righty, let's take it uh, to the West. Let's head oh, west. You're, you're home. Westward ho. Um I think that in this division, the the Cardinals, the Rams, the 49ers, and the Seahawks, there's a lot to be excited about with the 49ers. Uh, I mean, you extend your quarterback. 
you get some pieces around him. He's got some weapons, but at the same time, he just lost a huge weapon in yeah. Jarek McKinnon. That's a tough we one. have not we have not seen Jarek McKinnon in a 49ers jersey. Obviously, last year with uh, with the Vikings in his previous four seasons, but. I think that's just such a huge loss there that teams can really come downhill at you. Matt so who Breda, is that running back now? Matt Breida and Alfred Morris okay. are likely going to split carries um, unless they go out and do something, but the rushing attack took a big hit. They are very multiple in the way they run the ball. Uh, they still implement a fullback in Kyle Juszczyk, and he's like a 4-4 guy too, but he's built like a fullback, so you're going to see it mixed up from, from an offensive rushing attack, but Losing Jarek McKinnon as a target out of the backfield is your biggest loss. So yeah. I think they get a lot more conventional in the pass attack and a little bit more multiple in the run. That being said, I like the Rams coming out of the NFC West. I think that the 49ers are going to probably have around a 500 season. And uh, I think they're going to move in the right direction, but not a not a division champ at this point. I think the 49ers in a very similar spot to the Bears, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, without obviously going in having gotten Khalil Mack, because if you didn't hear, hear that, the Bears traded for Khalil Mack. Um, and, but they're, I think they're they're taking positive steps forward. Obviously, they did last year when Jimmy G came in, and, and he took command of that offense. I think they had some favorable matchups down the stretch playing either not great teams or teams that had already clinched, but they took care of business in, in all of those. Um, I think they're going to take a step forward, but with you, I'm with you. It's 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 the Rams' division to lose. Uh, Sean McVay mm-hmm. and Jared Goff and all them just really led that team last year. They only got better. It appears adding Brandon Cooks, uh, Akeem to lead that that defense is going to be even that much better, led by Wade Phillips too, who's uh, a fantastic defensive coordinator. Um, I, I think the Cardinals could be kind of fun if Sam Bradford stays healthy, but. That would require Sam Bradford to stay healthy. <laughs> to stay healthy. And, uh, that doesn't usually happen. Um, yeah. And if he's not, then you're either throwing Josh Rosen in probably a little bit too early. Who, I, If you remember, I'm very high on Josh Rosen. I still think he's my favorite quarterback from this draft, but I just don't think he's ready right now. Um, and it's either him or Mike Glennon if and when Sam Bradford goes down. So I don't think Someone, we want to see uh, that happen. Uh, no one's talking about Seattle, but I think for good reason. They're, they just seem yeah. kind of old at this point. And Russell Wilson can only do so much on his own. Um, that one seems kind of like a like a layup for the Rams for me. Someone needs to hem Sam Bradford's jersey. I've always felt I think that he way. likes the sleeves. It's man. way too long in the arm. I think he likes why it. He's been getting hurt. I think he likes it. <laughs> so we are in lockstep thus far with the Vikings, the Niners, or pardon me, the Vikings, the Rams, and the Saints. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Well, we got. Well, let's let's see who we. Got I don't in think the we're going to mix it up in the NFC East because no, we might. I'm going with the Eagles. I'm going with the defending champs. Defense wins championships, platitudes, this, that, and the other. I think that uh, the only thing that can really trip them up is if they get too wonky with this quarterback situation. Uh, Having two quarterbacks is a good problem to have. I really think it was important if Carson Wentz is healthy for him to be the day one starter. If he's not, then okay. I totally understand this decision to start Nick Mm -hmm. Foles. But you don't want to have that question mark hanging over the head of your team for the entire season. There needs to be a transition point somewhere in week three, week four, week five, whatever it is, when you hand the keys to the car back to Carson Wentz and say, this is your team. Nick, be ready. We might need you in the same capacity we needed you last year. I, I'm going to go a little bit different here. Um, the the NFC rep in the Super in the Super Bowl has historically kind of taken a little bit of a step back, and while I still think the Eagles are super talented, the yep. NFL is just such a different animal, and that you can be so good one year and then the next, just things seem to completely change. And like you said, they they, they got that two quarterback issue, but you don't really know if either one's incredibly healthy. Obviously, with Wentz's knee. And then Foles has had shoulder problems. I, I think they're going to be good. I think they're back in the playoffs, uh, but I don't think. Uh, they're going to win the division. I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I, I think if that line can stay healthy, which is it's an issue now, but if they can get healthy and be where they've been in the past, I know the receivers, there isn't a lot of big names there, but I think Dak's really good. And I, I think a vengeful Ezekiel Elliott um, playing with a little mm-hmm. bit of a chip on his shoulder after all the uh, the stuff last year, combined with arrested Ezekiel Elliott because he only played 10 games last year. Um, I think he's going to have a huge year. And obviously that defense relies on Sean Lee staying healthy, which is it's tough to assume he's going to play all 16, but if he's healthy for the majority of it, I really like that team. And I think this division is also very winnable. I, I think the Eagles are still good, but like I said, I think they're going to take a little bit of a step back. Like most of those Super Bowl teams, not named the Patriots mm-hmm. do. Uh, and I'm going to take the Cowboys. 
Uh, we're going to see it's, it's going to be a character test on Zeke this, this season as well, because he's kind of been the darling of backfields for a while mm-hmm. and everyone loved him. And, you know, he's the young guy coming out of college running wild right off the bat. And I think Ezekiel 2.0 is in his division. And I think that seeing Saquon twice a year and seeing Saquon do what he's going to do this season, uh, Zeke wants that crown still. Zeke wants to be regarded as the best young back. And uh, there's a new there's a new sheriff in town, and he's going to have to go out there and earn it. And and we'll see if he responds to that or if he if he shrinks in the face of that. I think that's going to be a really fun division to watch because I think the Giants are not going to be. It good. It always is, even when it's a yeah. dumpster fire. They're not going to be good, but I think they got a little bit better from last year. And I, I think Pat Shermer is a pretty good head coach. I think they're they're, mm-hmm. they're not going to be a two win team again or whatever the hell it was last year. And I also think Washington's going to be a little bit better. I know Kirk Cousins was a solid quarterback for them, but I do like Alex Smith as well. And I think he's a little bit of a safer quarterback. Uh, and I, I think Jay Gruden's actually one of the more underrated head coaches in the NFL. And I think he'll have that team at least win in a couple games that they should. I'm not sure they're a playoff team, but I think they will be a, a solid competitive team too. So that one's always a fun, fun uh, division to watch. And I'm sure we'll see uh, any number of combination of those two teams playing each other on Monday night and Sunday night football quite a bit. But uh, I think that's going to be a fun one to watch. So we split ways in the East. Let's head to uh, let's head to the AFC now, Matt. Let's pick things up in uh, in South, which which we go from one of the more exciting divisions in the NFC East to arguably the least exciting division in the AFC South between the Texans, the Colts, the Jaguars, and Titans. Uh, a lot of middle of the road teams here. Who are the Jaguars? Who is Andrew Luck? Is the Titans running game enough? Can the Texans defense stay healthy? I'm going with the Texans here in the assumption that that defense can't stay healthy. Still one of the best front sevens in the game. Offensively, you gotta you gotta go out there and put some points on the board, something that they struggled with mightily last season. I'm also going with Houston, but I wouldn't be shocked if this was a division that had three playoff teams because while I don't think there's a great team in there, I do think Houston's really good. I think Jacksonville's really good. And if Andrew Luck's healthy and playing like he's going to be now, uh, I can guarantee I think he's you the best quarterback in that division. I can make I can make few guarantees, Matt, but I can guarantee you that the Indianapolis Colts Colts do not make the playoffs. Okay, I'm not saying they're there going is to. zero I said offensive firepower there. I don't care if Andrew Luck. T. Y. Hilton. Exactly. T. Y. Hilton. Exactly. He's pretty good tight end. Okay, you just used the name Jack Doyle as an offensive weapon. They're in trouble. They're in trouble. As is Andrew Luck. I know it was just preseason, but I watched a lot of his snaps this preseason. That offensive line is porous. In fairness, porous. I did not watch a single snap of them. Defend- Andrew Luck will be hurt or on his back for the majority of this season. Well, either way, I think Houston's really good, and I, I, I still think Jacksonville has a fantastic defense. I think, like the yeah. Eagles, they're bound for a little bit of a regression this year, but I still think they're very good. And, and I think anytime you have. Team. I think anytime you have a defensive back talking as much as Jalen Ramsey did this offseason, you're bound for you a take step a, back. You take a step back. That yeah, said, I still think back. they're fantastic. I, I think that defense is still really good. I love their coaching staff. Um, yeah. I love their running game. Uh, they're, they're, Calais Campbell is still a house. They're in a little bit of trouble. Uh, I believe it is uh, with their receivers. Obviously, Robinson and Hearns leaving, and then Marquise Lee tearing up his knee. So. We'll see how they adjust there, but I, I still think that offense and is going to be good enough, and that defense is still one of the top five units probably in the NFL. Uh, I think that carries them into the playoffs. I'm just not sure it's the division because I, I we saw what a healthy Deshaun Watson did last year for a couple weeks. I don't think he's going to light the world on fire for 16 games, mm-hmm. but if Bill O'Brien finally kind of has his quarterback, uh, people forget Lamar Miller's their running back, and he's a really, really talented back. They obviously have DeAndre Hopkins on the outside, Will Fuller, who's an elite deep threat when he's got a quarterback to throw to him. So I, I love Houston. I think they're going to win that division. Could win 10 or 11 games. To the north we go, the AFC North, uh, between the Ravens, the Bengals, the Browns, and the Steelers. I really think this one is the Steelers' division to lose. And that's all that I can I think? say about that. I don't think that there's anything else. I don't think that the Ravens – I think Flacco is just fake news across the board, always has been, always will be, aside from – Five weeks in January, one year he hasn't been anything to write Five home weeks in about. January, one year with one of the best defenses in recent memory. Exactly. So uh, I, I don't think uh, the Tarod or Baker led Browns are going to do it, and the Bengals always find a way to uh, sit on their hands. So uh, I think the Steelers walk through here. The Bengals always seem to be, seem to be <clears> one of those <throat> teams that like 
they'll be really bad one year and then they'll surprise you and be kind of good the next year and then go back to being bad this might be a year where they're a little bit better when you know eight or nine games but i'm with you i don't not picking the Steelers because I love the Steelers. I'm just kind of picking the Steelers by default. I don't really think yeah, anybody else exactly. here is all that great. Uh, With or I without think be Le'Veon more, Bell, they're the favorite. I don't think you're having a terrible team in this division this year. I think Cleveland is going to be a little bit – obviously, they're not going to go winless again. I, I would be shocked if that happened. Uh, I think there's a little bit more talent there, and they can challenge in some games, but I don't think they're ready for, for prime time to be beating the Steelers or anything yet. So Steelers by default. Steelers, by default, uh, we are moving forward with our NFL Pick'em Division Pick'ems, Picks? Picks, sure, like all that. of it. Works for me. AFC West, man. I think this is going to be a fun one. you got your Broncos, your Chiefs, your Chargers, and Raiders. Uh, the sexy pick, the in vogue pick, is the new-look Chiefs. Going to chuck it and duck it. And uh, with that reason and that reason alone, I want to watch go routes. I'm picking the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I, I think this is a two-horse race between the Chiefs and the Chargers. I'm going to go with the Chargers. Uh, okay. I know they missed out on the playoffs last year, but they had that awful start. Uh, I think they were one and six or something, and then finished almost making the playoffs. Uh, they were one of the hottest teams in the NFL to close out the year last year. Phillip Rivers is still. I mean, you talk about timeless players like Drew Brees. It's kind of funny that the guy he was traded for, or not traded for, but lost his job out to out in LA, is still kind of like that, and that he's just. He's really good every year. He seems to be timeless. Always gets that offense going. I'm going to take the Chargers. I think they got a great defensive uh, defensive side of the ball as well. Uh, Joey Bosa, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I'm going to take the Chargers in a close one, though. I think that's kind of a back-and-forth battle between them and the Chiefs. Talk about someone who's going to get paid. Joey Bosa due next season, I believe. Yeah, and he just saw Khalil Mack's contract, so he's uh, he's probably pretty happy. Happy, happy man in the Bosa household. Talk about uh, – I think a lot of the defensive players in the NFL, the elite defensive players, both Aaron <laughs> Donald and Khalil Mack, a, a nice steak dinner or two at some point here because they just they did a lot for their former teammates or for their, their defensive side of the ball companions, and they're, they're going to get a lot of those guys paid with their, these contracts kind of setting the bar for all those they guys. Abs- they absolutely are, Matt. Uh, AFC East, need we, need we even speak their name? Uh, no, there's one team that's going to the playoffs, and that's going to be it. Pats head to the playoffs for, I believe, this is a shot in the dark, 15th straight I don't know, season. Since the year Brady tore his ACL. Since the year 1919, year of our Lord. Yeah, something like um, that. Uh, Jets are going to stink. The Bills don't have a. The Bills are trotting out Nathan Peterman week one. Good luck with that. I mean, the Dolphins might win. There isn't seven or eight a worse games, quarterback but, division than the a- AFC East. I mean, and I know Sam Tom Darnold Brady plays in the be East. Good, but we don't. We know don't know. That Nathan we Peterman don't know. stinks. Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is still a wide receiver. Like he can't throw the ball. Can't catch a snap. Uh, that's uh, I like Adam Gase, and that's probably why I think <clears throat> the Dolphins finish second in that division. Maybe, but it's not going to matter. So, All right, Matt. Well, good breakdown that, of the East there, Joe. That's the that's the division breakdowns. Uh, I want to hear your Super Bowl matchup. You already have one half of mine in the Saints. I think, uh, I think you I know the chalk. other half of yours. I go chalk in the AFC until you prove otherwise. I see the Patriots coming out of the AFC. So I have uh, I have a matchup of Drew Brees and uh, Tom Brady in Super Bowl 53. Something. Is this? Yeah, something. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the, the popular sexy pick out of the NFC. I'm going to take the Rams. Uh, I love the offense. Okay. I think it's going to take another step forward. Um, they have, for my money, the best running back in the NFL. Uh, in, in Todd Gurley. I think they got some great weapons on the outside again now with the addition of Brandon Cooks and that defense only got better adding Sue and Aqib Tlaib and I, I just this year I don't think anybody's beating them in the West or the NFC uh, and then obviously we're, we're going to go with the Patriots out of the out of the AFC until they prove me otherwise so give me Rams and give me Patriots it's a rematch of, of Tom's first Super Bowl. Rams Pats. It's a rematch of his first but could it be his last as well? Uh, the think rest is still it. unwritten. Think about it. The That's rest story is line still right there. unwritten. Uh, Matt, let's jump into some some solo uh, predictions here. Who do you like as your MVP? Myself, I'm going. Oh, yeah, uh, I want you to go first here because I'm still. Well, I, in order for the Saints to get to the Super Bowl, Drew. Drew Brees has to be an MVP. Has to have an MVP caliber season. So I'm doubling down on my prediction and saying Drew Brees wins the most valuable player. Is it too early for me to take Mitch Trubisky? It isn't. You can okay, take Mitch Trubisky. I, if I you want like. to. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm going to go Todd Gurley. Um, okay. I, I think. Pod, if, pod, if, there, pod, if there's a position pod, that pod, pod, pod. If there, you, you done? You <laughs> yeah. done? 
Okay. If there's a position that can take that thrown from a from a quarterback, it, it's it's likely a running back. I think Zeke's going to have a great year as well. But uh, Gurley's dual threat kind of ability out of that backfield, I think he's mm-hmm. going to have a fan. He almost won it last year with how he kind of put the Rams on his back down the stretch. Uh, I think he's only getting better this year, and uh, I'm going to go with Todd Gurley because he has not been paid yet, I don't believe, and he's one of those guys who's going to. And I think he's going to erase any doubt and, and have a massive year. So I'm going to take Todd Gurley. I like that pick as well. Defensive player of the year, let's say it on three. One, two, three. Khalil, Khalil Mack. Mack. Khalil, okay. Khalil Mack. Okay. Next one. We're, We're in agreement? Yeah, we We're don't ready. even need to pick an AFC defensive player of the year. It's Khalil Mack. Rookie of the year. He's got two thighs. That's we, all I need to Should we see. say it on three again? Say it on three. One, two, three. Roquan Smith. Saquon, Saquon Barkley. No, I'm going to take Roquan Smith. Okay, well, I like because that Because I'm too. a Bears fan. <laughs> well, don't they actually have offensive and defensive? I think they do. Okay, well, then we'll take Saquon. Then both of those. We'll take, we'll take both of those. We'll take Saquon, Saquon and Roquan. The, the We're Quan, going Quans. The Quans all season. Oh, goodness. Well, that's your uh, NFL Pick'em Special Breakdown. We'll have a little bit more NFL talk later on in the show in Buy or Sell, but we got plenty of college to get to. Week one in the books, pretenders, contenders, they emerge. Uh, a great win in South Bend, as we, as we said. Matt, oh, Irish. Uh, that was game fun. day takeaway. Game day takeaway. Uh, give us a little picture of game day in South Bend, what it was like. A couple of the guys on the field, the upperclassmen, said it was the loudest they ever heard Notre Dame Stadium. Oh, it, uh, that, that's that's for my money the loudest it's been. Uh, I haven't been there for all the night games, so I can't uh, I can't quite confirm that. Um, but for for the all the, the games I've had the chance to go to, uh, USC last year when they blew them out of the building was loud, but at the same point, it never really gets loud towards the end because it's kind of mm-hmm. already over. Uh, when Chris Fink went up and grabbed that, uh, that that touchdown in the back of the end zone, kind of took it away from the safety, whose name I'm forgetting at this point. But that was that was up there with as loud as I've ever heard Notre Dame Stadium. And then, obviously, the uh, the, the fumble from Shea Patterson there on the final drive and Tavon Coney scooping that up, uh, that got that got really, really loud. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was really cool. It's, it's an awesome atmosphere. It's fun to have that rivalry back. And maybe if Notre Dame doesn't win that game, I'm saying I wish they didn't bring the rivalry back. But as of now, uh, pretty excited about it. Uh, I, I still don't know how much we know about either team. Uh, I know mm-hmm. Notre Dame came out of the gates firing, and I know they got really conservative with their play calling in the second half because that defense was was really firing on all cylinders. So it's basically just I don't think Michigan's going to score. I'm going to dare you to do it, and Michigan couldn't. Um, but still don't really know what Brandon Wimbush is. He was He was good. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure he proved that he's you know ready to be the you know great quarterback to lead that offense. I still he's, he's made some nice throws. He also missed some some easier ones over the middle that you know I think he got to make in big games. Uh, he got away mm-hmm. with it because the defense played so well and Michigan's offense wasn't really ready to be firing all cylinders yet. Uh, I, I think we did find out though what what Phil uh, Phil Goff told us last week. And that this Notre Dame defense is one of the most underrated units in the country and very well could, when it's all said and done, be, be a top five, you know, statistically ranked defense in, in all college football. Their pass rush, they brought four every time and they were getting, pre- I know Michigan's offensive line isn't anything to write home about, but they were pressuring with four. They really didn't have to bring pressure. When they did bring pressure, it hit just about every time. Uh, and uh, Aloha Gilman, the, the, the one player, the safety Phil singled out, was all over the field. And I think any article you read, uh, about that game it has his name featured and how much of a standout player he was is you know I think only a sophomore now eligibility eligibility wise but I think we found out a lot about Notre Dame's defense and uh, we found out Michigan's defense is still really good as well yeah some fantastic uh, some fantastic breakdown there from Phil Goff uh, the oracle of Notre Dame football pretty much spelling it out for us days before it happened Matt I don't know how much you got to watch I watched a ton over the four-day stretch what was something, someone, or a team that stuck out to you and proved something to you that you didn't know before week one? Uh, I'm going to go with Auburn. Uh, I thought that was a fun – I didn't watch a lot of it. Their defense obviously. had bad intentions. Um, I, I, I think that was a really good kind of back-and-forth game. I still think Washington's a really good team, but I, I think Auburn was one of those teams coming in this year. Yeah, they are bringing back their quarterback, but they kind of lost on Johnson, lost some talent defensively. So you kind of wonder what they were going to be again this year. And I think they erased a lot of doubts there. That, that running attack was was back and looking better. than that. that. That seems like a running back factory almost with the amount of guys mm-hmm. they produce back there. Um, I, I think they're going to be a serious contender in the SEC West. And uh, I, I know they got to go to Bama this year, but uh, I, I think we need to pump the brakes for a, a 100% certainty that it's going to be Bama and Georgia because I think Auburn 
uh, might have something to say about that before it's all said and done. Uh, two things really opened up my eyes. One was the play of Oklahoma's Kyler Murray at quarterback. You know, I'm always skeptical about a five foot eight quarterback who's a marquee baseball draft pick. Yeah, just just how much of a drop off was there going to be? Because there was going to be a drop off from didn't appear to be much to his predecessor. Didn't look like any, and the pieces around him looked fantastic. Oklahoma, I know they played Florida Atlantic, but. Oklahoma looked great, put up 63 points. Uh, They're going to be right in the mix of things again at late. Second thing that opened my eyes was the defensive struggles of Penn State against Appalachian State. And you don't want to go knee-jerk or or overstate, but you give up 38 to App State and have to win in overtime. It's not what you're looking for out of week one. Yeah, got to do some soul searching. You got to find Jesus there on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Offense still looked good. Obviously, again, we talk about a drop-off. Going to be a drop-off from Saquon, but it looks like um, Trace McSorley's right there, ready to pick up the slack. And, uh, oh, I forget his name, but the back they had next to Trace played really well, too. But um, definitely need to do some some soul-searching on the defensive side of the ball for Penn State. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think I forgot where I was reading it, but I was reading some you know recaps of the games, and I think one of the points is amazing. You know, people forget or were so focused on Saquon Barkley being gone and kind of what Trace McSorley was going to do from that offense. I think people kind of overlooked the fact that Penn State, I believe, lost seven or eight starters from their defense last mm-hmm. year. So that's going to be a unit that's going to take some time. Uh, they, they still got a little bit of time before they get into conference play and kind of have, like we talked about last week, that, that murderer's row that you're going to go through in the Big Ten with uh, Wisconsin, with Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. But uh, they're a team who still has some stuff to figure out. Uh, one other pick I did want to point out, you pointed out Oklahoma, same conference, different team. I'm high on West Virginia, and they looked really good to me. That offense, Will Greer, looked like he was the Heisman Trophy candidate that they people were pumping up to be. fantastic in um, the second half. It okay. took a little while for them to get going. 45-10 is 45-10. It's 40-14. Whatever. I'm looking same, at it right now. Same thing, Joe. <laughs> you Sorry. covered. That's all that mattered. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, you get a slow start against an Auburn or another team, you're in trouble. But, yeah. yes, they look dominant offensively against Tennessee in Knoxville, Rocky Top. Um, that was, uh, that's always a tough place to play. Uh, I believe they, they were. that was a neutral side game. They were in Carolina. Was it? Yeah. But uh, okay. to go with it, their Tennessee's not where they need to be defensively. They're obviously still not great, and they don't have the talent they need yet. But Jeremy Pruitt's also a very gr- good defensive mind. And while West Virginia might have started out a little bit slow, they they poured it on and got the points when they needed to against a pretty good defensive head coach. Matt, before we move on here, uh, biggest fake ID, most fake news. Pick between Florida State and Miami. Two Florida schools coming out laying eggs on the national stage. Uh, Florida State losing 24-3 last night. Miami getting duped 33-17 by LSU. It was much worse than was, the score. Yeah, they added, they tacked on a couple more touchdowns at the end there to make it look Who better. bounces back? Does either bounce back? I think the U is going to bounce back by? a little bit. Um, I think so, too. I, they didn't look good. They didn't play good. They still have some returning talent back from last year. I still really like Mark Brick as a head coach, too. Uh, I, I think he's going to be okay. I don't think that unit's going to be a group that's going to a playoff this year, but I don't think they're as bad as they looked against LSU. I think LSU was playing with a massive chip on their shoulder, uh, and I'm not sure they're as good as they looked either, but uh, I have more confidence in Mark Richton. I've never been a fan of the Willie Taggart hire at Florida State. I think it was more of a, well, Jimbo kind of left us high and dry a little bit late. We need to get Mm -hmm. somebody quickly. Let's get Willie Taggart in here. I thought he was much more better suited for for a program like Oregon where there's not all that much pressure. You can have the big years and the down years and still kind of keep your job. Um, they looked awful last night. They looked absolutely just terrible. They looked lost offensively. And that's with a quarterback who I know he was hurt last year, but DeAndre Francois is kind of a veteran coming back, and they should not have been that bad. They just laid an egg. And Virginia Tech, while, while their defense looked pretty good and their offense looked fine at points, Virginia Tech didn't really look like a world-beater type team to me. They just looked like they came ready to play, and Florida State didn't. Yeah. It, uh, it was a... Poor effort by Florida State. I, I kind of had my eyes on it, on and off. I was working last night, but I think they're going to be all right if they can get Francois some help because I like the way that DeAndre Francois looked in that game. He still showed the ability to make the big throw, the tough throw. They just turned the ball over too many times. Can't turn the ball turned, over five times. Turned the ball over in the red zone, in the green zone, in the plus 50. It was just 
bad, bad, bad. But uh, I don't Speaking think, of like you bad, said, those helmets they wore last night, I thought were terrible. the whole jersey scheme. It's week one. Florida Where State, like, they've started doing this the last jersey. couple of years. Like Florida State has a classic jersey, classic helmet, classic uniform. What what is this whole like? Let's let's get all new and all this stuff. Like they're old, you know. Like if you would have wore that, you know, the blackout make black the recruiting, make give the recruiting me that push helmet, jersey though. in week seven. Yeah, the 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 gold. Florida State helmet with the with the spear on it is one of my favorite classic helmets in all of college football. Don't change that. Quit trying to change things. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I'm and just going to let you go full get off my you know, lawn. That, that is my get off my lawn speech of the day. Like, <laughs> I, Notre Dame does it once a year, and I don't love it, but they also do it like week eight against Syracuse. They're not doing it week uh-huh. one against Virginia Tech or Michigan. Like They do it in games that like you know they're, they're likely going to win by a lot of points anyway. So let's Notre Dame will lose... Notre Dame will lose in New York this year because of how bad those pinstripe jerseys are. Oh, I'm, I hope. I certainly hope not. Uh, they need to rethink those jerseys because it's going to cost them a game. They should have. They shouldn't have had the pinstripes on the sleeves, and they should have look just good, feel good, helmets. play good. Yeah, you wanted to wear look the pinstripe. Bad, feel Yankee, bad, play you, you bad. want to wear the Yankee pinstripe pants? Like, okay, whatever, one game, that's fine. But they should have kept uh, the normal blue. Should have kept the gold helmet. But uh, yeah, uh, we don't need to get into that. I'm not a fan. But it's once. I can, a, gri- I can gripe about it when it happens. Fair. It's once a year against Syracuse. It's not kicking off the season against Michigan. Speaking of kicking off the season, Matt, you kicked off the season with a loss. I did with I a did. win. It's time for locks of the week. I gave you a winner last week in Stanford. It was touch and go in the first half, but the boys, the Cardinal, came through for they me. Did. Matt, you're 0-1. Your pick again, remind me? Uh, I had Penn State. Uh, I was I, Their offense kind of lived up to the Penn hype. State, their yeah. defense absolutely did not. Uh, they are, they're up 24-10, I think it was at half, and I was feeling pretty good about myself. And then uh, checked the score, and they were going into overtime just as I was walking into Notre Dame Stadium, and I was a little bit worried. Yeah, uh, but... If, if there's any hope for me, Joe, it's you started out like 0-5 last year. Not only did you start out 0-5, <laughs> I think your team rattled not off only like did, eight straight weeks. Not only did they not cover, but like they lost straight up as well. Yes. yes. So if, it, was if a full, it was a full fade Musso situation. There, but, uh, there's reason for hope for me, I think, is what, I got a, what I'm saying here. I got another winner for you this week, Matt. I'm taking it to the NFL. Didn't necessarily love a ton of the college lines. Uh, my lock of the week here is week one NFL football. The Rams are laying four in Oakland. I I really think it's Monday night. It's the grand stage. It's Chucky's return. There are a million reasons for them to be distracted. You don't have your defensive cornerstone anymore. I I don't see how the Raiders play with this Rams team. I like the Rams covering four in Oakland. You know, I think you had a rule last year, not a rule, but like a, a philosophy that you follow when you started to struggle. It was just, I'm going to pick Bama every week to cover. Go Bama. Pick Bama. I, I, I'm, I'm really considering that right now with what just happened last <laughs> week. You know what? I'm going to do it. Alabama laying 37 points against Arkansas State at home. I'm going to go with the Tide. Um, it's I, not out of the question. It's a little bit early for me to go be falling back on the failsafe here, but at the very least, if I lose this one, no one can criticize me or call me out for taking the Tide because it's Alabama. So I'm going to go with the Tide. Can, can we get your voice dubbed over angry Nick Saban saying something along the lines of, I'm going to go with the Tide, so stop asking the question. There we go. Just every week. That's going to be that's gonna be my lock of the week. <laughs> exactly. I'm going with the Tide. And we, stop And asking. then we can just pump that audio in. It'll be perfect. Stop I will, asking. I will say <laughs> another line I was thinking about, I, I talked about it with you before the podcast, was I think Michigan laying 28 at home against Western Michigan is, is a very safe bet as well. Uh, they're, they're a team who – especially in Harbaugh's era, has loved to run it up at home against the lesser opponents and coming off that big loss against Notre Dame, you know they're going to want some some confidence boosters back. I, I think there's a chance they go out and shut out Western Michigan at home and win something like 31 nothing, 34 nothing, something like that. So for me, that, that's another one to keep an eye on. He's bringing the blue into play. So you that's know, a keep you know your what? eye I don't like on. Picking, picking Michigan, but if, if, you, if I'm keeping it you know, down the middle, not picking favorites here, I think that's a, that's a safer bet. So there's a couple of winners for you this week. Uh, tweet us your picks. Who do you like this week? At Moose and Runes on Twitter. Uh, we want to know your locks and uh, get this thing, get this, uh, get this account moving in the right direction, if you know what I mean here. Yeah. Matt. And if it might, it might also be a good time to remind you, Joe, that Notre Dame did beat Michigan last week. I think people have they did. forgotten. I caught that. If yeah, you forgot, sure if you did. If you're, there's a little Oh, this is another thing refresher. I wanted to bring up about that. Not that game uh-huh. in particular, but – I know there's more money in these neutral site games and LSU and Miami going to Arlington. They, and they don't stink, but they, they don't have the same feeling as 
Michigan going to Notre Dame. I even know that's a rivalry game. Even that's not why a rivalry, I love like college football. College football, the 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 old home college home, football like, hey, is rooted in atmosphere. You're coming here. You're coming here week one. This year, next year, we're going there. Like I know that there's money in this, and it's still a cool atmosphere and all that because you're going to sell out. Uh, you know the Superdome or wherever the hell they're playing, but. It's not the same feeling as getting that home crowd behind you and go, you know, going on the road, even you know, figuring out a way to pull out a big win. It, it doesn't have that same feel. It doesn't have and that then, same momentum build to it. To me, it's just not the same atmosphere. It's so much you, cooler walking on campus before a big game. Exactly. Notre Dame-Michigan obviously is cool, but you know, we, it's a game we've seen a, a bunch of times because it's a great rivalry. But even when you're walking on campus and you got uh, two random teams who almost never play each other, like that's cool to see like those types of teams and that type of atmosphere, those types of fans interacting with those people. It's just cool to see. And I feel like the the NCAA is just, they're getting away from it, unfortunately. I, it, it, it sucks to see because that atmosphere, two teams playing on a college campus to start out a season is so much cooler to me than going to the Superdome or going to Jerry World. And you'll always get a team like Washington who gets the shaft and has to go play a quote-unquote neutral site game in the in SEC South, country. In SEC country, and you know they hang around. But if that game's somewhere else, that's a home game. Does Washington yeah. win? We don't know. We don't know. But the way they played, possibly. So it definitely it changes outcomes as well. I guess is my point. So I, I, that was something I, I had thought of over the weekend. Talked to I believe with my brothers, yeah. but that was just something I kind of wanted to throw out there. I, Figured you'd feel the same way, but it was just no, I totally, I totally do agree with that. Uh, speaking of uh, heading in the right direction and bank accounts growing, uh, Bryson DeChambeau is now uh, likely the FedEx Cup champion this year. He's won now the first two legs. Good for uh, him. Victorious, victorious yesterday on a Monday at the Dell Technologies Championship. Uh, it was another, I believe, three-shot victory. Dell Technologies. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he uh, he walked away with, I believe, another three-shot victory, so not really a barn burner. Back-to-back weeks, he's outplayed the field. And uh, if either one of us would have picked him, this thing would have been wrapped up for the two dozen titleists. But uh, where it currently stands, my team trails Matt's team by, I believe, 295 points. Uh, there we just go. about right on feeling where good. we were week one. Uh, everyone's feeling good if I get Ricky Fowler to agree to play golf. I don't um, know. That oblique's tough. I, I would hang around, stay healthy for the Ryder Cup. I, that's yeah, that was, I picked two injured players, um, knowing that Rick, oh. that Rory was coming back, but uh, completely spaced yeah, on the fact you that... You rolled the uh, dice. Yes, but once again, if any one of our players wins here in the final two weeks, it, it's going to be, unless Dustin wins and JT takes second, it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough. Um, so we shall see. Uh, week three of the FedEx Cup Championship uh, this weekend, I believe uh, they are headed to. Uh, That's a great question. Me? I don't know off the top of my head where they're headed to this weekend. No, uh, the field is narrowed. What BM- is the field narrowed down? Oh, my field BM- narrows fields down to seventy here. Okay, and uh, it'll be down to thirty the following week or two weeks after that at East Lake. I believe they take the week off, but uh, I cannot find. Here we go. Schedule. Dell Technologies was this week. They are playing I think it's the, the BMW. BMW. Yes, we are right. Uh, they are headed to Newton Square, Pennsylvania for the BMW Championship. I miss when the uh, BMW used to be at Cog Hill. That was always fun. Cog Hill, I went to the one year that it was at, uh, where was it? Not Con- was it Conway Farms? No. I think, um, no, I think it was Conway. Yeah, I think it was Conway. Went, uh, went on my birthday one time at Conway Farms. Uh, and then, yes, uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. And then the uh, Tour Championship coming your way always, September 20th through 23rd Lake. at East Lake. I'm gonna, somebody's, somebody's buying golf. Ball I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put, put you okay. on the spot here. put you on the spot here, Joe. I want – so I believe the, the picks are being made tonight. Um, who are your four captains' picks for the, the U.S. Ryder Cup team? Four captains' picks for the Ryder Cup team. I think team. three of them are locks at this point. I think there's three locks. But you go and ahead. The locks you're referring to would likely be Tiger Woods, Phil, Mick- Phil Mickelson, and uh, who would Bryson be the third block? Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson okay, DeChambeau yes, he did has not, not qualified. He did not make it via um, points. Yeah, I, I think it no-brainer there. I think he's your third lock. But, I mean, who's, who's your last pick here? My last pick for the Ryder Cup. You gotta, I think it comes down to three guys, in my opinion. But I, I'd, I'd be interested to hear your... Uh, thoughts, predictions, points, whatever. Yeah, I think that um, if you add a guy like Bryson, like you said, with that third pick, 
in terms of uh, just the character, the uh, the makeup, you know, that they talk about putting guys into pods or mm-hmm. putting them with certain people, how you would do that. Um, I think he gives you a little bit of trouble there, but we're going to include him as one of the three. Because he's, he's, he's won two in a row. He's playing as good a golf that you can't, at this point, you can't say no. And I think when you're talking about hot golf, if that's the direction you're going, Tony Finau really needs to, you need to take a he's long, hard look at Tony, Tony Finau because he's had some top 10 finishes in this last month that uh, I think allow you to take notice. Hits the ball a country mile. Um, so, yeah. It's right there in the U.S. Tony, Open, too. Let's say Tony Finau. Was he in your group of three? He was not. Um, he's okay. had a great year, but I think, not statistically, but historically this has kind of been a little bit more of a, a flash-in-the-pan type year for him. He's kind of been more of those one of the middle-of-the-pack golfers that you don't really even see challenge for much. Uh, my three that I thought were – Two guys in Matt Kuchar and Zach Johnson, who have been there before. They they putt really well. Mm-hmm. They go overseas, and then other guys had a similar type year to Fina. Was Kevin Kisner? Um, I think he's he's kind of been there in most majors. He's hung around. I think he's had a really good year. I'd go with one of those three guys. I'd lean probably more towards a guy like Kuchar, who's played in this you know multiple times, and, and he has that pressure. Uh, but I, I think those all those three guys all putt pretty well, and I think putting is one thing that's going to travel here overseas in the Ryder Cup. But I think historically, with with all the like you talked about, you you want to figure out Pairings. who's going to be paired with who. Yeah. You know, inexperience versus experience. I think experience really does matter. If it was being at you know Hazeltine again, and, and you know you had the home crowd behind you in Minnesota, whatever, that's a different story. Going overseas, I think you want a guy who's been there before and kind of knows how to get the job done in Ryder Cup play. So I'm going to go with Matt Kuchar, who would be my my final pick. But I don't think any one of those four guys that we brought up you can really go wrong with. Yeah, I like the pick and Cooch as well. Uh, solid golf out of him this past week. He's in the mix, found himself uh, playing some meaningful golf again. Those picks will be made today, depending on when you're listening to this. I think this, there's a but, selection uh, show tonight, right? Selection show is on September 4th, today, Tuesday, September 4th, at 5 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 on the West 5 Coast. 5 p.m. Eastern, 6 what? p.m. Central. That's what? Not a thing. 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central. Jesus, Joe. Two? Would that make it two on the West Coast? Yeah. That make it two. So, uh, you know, our viewership uh, is, is worldwide, countrywide here. So That's true. Uh, those captains, captain's picks will uh, stream live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and be broadcast on Golf Channel. All right. Well, I'm excited to see that, and I'm sure we'll have some uh, some more to talk about next week with those two. Those Matt, should we jump into, uh, jump into a little buy or sell here before we tell the people bye-bye? I would love to jump into some buy or sell with you. All right, well, you want me to start or you want to start? You this is going to be a full NFL buy or sell that has a great ring to it. It really the does. NFL we get to talk football again. For the next however many months, <laughs> we get to lead off every week with football. Isn't that great? Through February, my friend. Isn't that Through great? February. Ah, Sorry. Buy or sell, Matthew. Aaron Rodgers starts 14-plus football games. Pretty much banking on the health of Aaron Rodgers here. Well, now that Khalil Mack's in the division, Joe, I'm not sure that's going to be a... Uh... No, I'm, I'm going to take. Uh, I'm going to take. I'm going to buy that. Uh, he's had those those collarbones, you know, sparingly here and there, but for the most part, he's been a pretty healthy quarterback who's been able to uh, to outlast the the injuries and all that stuff. So I'm going to take him to stay healthy for for most of the season this year, and I think he plays over 14 games. Over the 14 games, alrighty. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay out of that one. Oh, interesting. Um, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to stay in a similar type question here except i'm not going to go with health wise i'm going to go with performance wise uh barring injury sam darnold starts all 16 for the jets so if he did i don't want to count him getting hurt i'm talking about strictly performance wise there will not be a quarterback performance performance based benching this year and going to josh mccown i'm going to sell it just because of for two reasons it's the new york jets they changed their minds that's a great reason but they're not first reason very contrite in the decisions that they make. And reason number two is you have a career backup, a career guy who can get it done. If they're three and five, still looking at a possible wild card and Sam Darnold's not playing the way that they want him to, it's going to be Josh's ball. So uh, I think you do see both of those guys at some point this year for non-injury reasons. Yeah, this is, again, another reason why we talked about it here before, but I just I like going with the veteran to start out the year if there hasn't been that much separation, that much different in practice. Maybe there has been. I have a feeling there's not, and they're starting Sam Darnold because they're the Jets and they're in New York and they don't want to get ripped for the first five weeks when they have this guy sitting on the bench. Um, but uh, we've all talked about how great a lot of these quarterbacks are, but how pretty much none of them, well, Darnold's probably the most ready to start. None of them are all that ready to start, and I'm, I think we've seen in the past you're usually better off 
letting them kind of sit for a little while, get that experience instead of throwing them in there too early. But uh, I, I'm I'm going to buy J-E-T-S. it. I'm going to go out on I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to buy it simply because I, I think he's going to have a pretty good year. But I just I don't think they want to go back to Josh McCown. I think they want to invest in Sam Darnold and really sell this guy as their quarterback of the future. So I think he's going to play all sixteen. Matthew, buy or sell the Cleveland Browns win three and a half plus games. I'm going to take the over. You're um, drinking the Kool-Aid. I, I'm drinking that, not to that extent. I don't think four wins is drinking Kool-Aid exactly. It is from zero. Uh, I mean, I think their defense is pretty good. It's gotten better. I think Miles Garrett's a really good pass rusher if he stays healthy. Uh, I think the offense finally like, actually went out and has some legit weapons now and only gets better if, if they do add Des Bryant, which still might be possible. Um, and I, I think Tyrod Taylor, while he's not a great quarterback. Tyrod. It, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, I, I think he's. I think he's a pretty solid quarterback who you might be able to win you a couple games. And I'm not sure he's going to lose you many. And we talked about how that AFC North is. Well, it's the Steelers' division to lose. It's kind of unspectacular to me this year, and I, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Browns be able to steal some divisional games. So mm-hmm. I am. Uh, I'm going to go with the Browns to win. You know, probably five, six games this year. Nothing great, but I think they take a step forward. I think Kajus is worth win, one win alone. Did he make the team? Uh, that's a great question. I haven't finished Hard Knocks yet. Yeah, it's. I think the final episode's on tonight. Okay. Uh, but that news would have come out. I just don't. I just yeah, don't keep I up don't the date that. on my on my Browns roster news. Yeah, I don't really either. But we'll. I guess we'll find out tonight. <laughs> so there's your tease ahead to Hard Knocks, uh, Matt. Before we say goodbye to the people, you got anything else? Uh, you know, I really don't. Wait, you no, I should have another buy or sell. Okay, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to the uh, with the 49ers. I want to go into your turn. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. So I'm, I'm just gonna ask you buy you buy or sell in Jimmy G, the Jimmy G hype this year. Uh, not talking about long haul because I think long haul he's going to be a pretty pretty darn good quarterback. You buying the Jimmy G hype this season? Well, what do you mean the hype that he's going to be a top ten quarterback? Yeah, or, or that yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. I think I, I'm talking about more him personally because I think especially with Jarek McKinnon being out now, there's a lot out of his control. But whether or not that team makes the playoffs, buy or sell, even Jimmy G's going to be a top ten quarterback this year because that seems to be the hot story going around the NFL and with how he finished last year, right? I buy it and I buy it big. I understand it's a small sample size on the kid. Um, he had a master class in quarterback play under Tom Brady. The one thing I want you to watch this season with Jimmy Garoppolo is his feet. And that has, that's a large part of where Tom Brady has set himself apart is his footwork in the pocket. He is not very athletic, but he always finds a way to stay clean in the pocket. I think that's something that Jimmy G picked up from Tom and that has a lot of. Like if you just give me a, like a knees down shot on both of those guys – Active feet, but not overactive, knows where to be in the pocket, and he does have athleticism, Jimmy, as compared to to, to Tom Brady. I really think Garoppolo is one of the better quarterbacks in this league and emerges as such this year. I think he justifies those payments that he's getting, and I think it's a decent year for the 49ers just because of the play of Jimmy Garoppolo. They're going to struggle. They don't have the most weapons for him, but I think that Jimmy G takes a big step forward as a legitimate starting quarterback in the league, as a franchise quarterback for the 49ers. Keep an eye on his feet. I really love the feet of Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think a lot of that, to, to, to build on what you just said, comes from having one of the better quarterback coaches in the NFL and Kyle Shanahan. I love what he I mean, yeah. did wonders. I mean, Matt Ryan was a very good quarterback before Kyle Shanahan got there, but, you know, with Kyle Shanahan, he was an MVP of the league, had him, you know, should have won the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I think Kyle Shanahan's a really good offensive mind, really knows quarterback play, and I, I think that is going to be a very mutually beneficial relationship between the two of them going forward. But that, that's not exactly a, a hot take there. But uh, in, in, you, I trust your opinion on this. You, you've been watching them in practice just about every day. You, you know them pretty well. You see him a lot. So uh, in I'm covering your judgment. In covering the Niners during camp, one thing that I learned, too, that is very, very encouraging, Kyle Shanahan, uh, when it's cool enough out, which oftentimes in the Bay Area it is, oh, yeah. he's a jogger. He's a jogger guy. Lots of joggers. Ooh, I lots like that. Of, lots of fitted tops. Yeah, you know, very fashionable. Very okay. fashionable man. That, that does mean so a lot. It's worth a win and a half right there. Okay. He's a jogger guy, friend of the podcast, so God bless him. Wait, he's a friend of the podcast? Is there something you're not no. telling me? Just because he's wearing joggers. Can you get us Kyle? We're a jogger pod. I cannot get us Kyle. I well, can, you can. I can guarantee. I can guarantee. Well, I can go into like the press room and ask a couple questions. 
but you get me those answers. Be, you get me those answers. It's gonna be I can, bad I can, audio. You get me those I answers, Joe. Say I can, Joe Musso of the Moose and Runes podcast. I you, cannot say you, that. Okay, well, you get me the audio of him answering the questions, and you okay. and I can I can kind of work some audio magic, and we can we'll, basically we'll some, yeah, we'll we could splice <laughs> together an interview between the two of us, and we just had Kyle Shanahan on the pod. Yeah, uh, so, we really appreciate you, Kyle, for coming in. Yeah, it's gonna be a great season. So yeah, it's gonna be a great season. Uh, I think we're gonna <laughs> Jimmy. Thanks, Kyle. Right. Good, good, good having you on. Thanks for the call. Well, I will. Uh, I'll work on some audio for us then. Right, and we'll see. Uh, we, we talked about it a little before the pod. We might be having. A, I might be trying to get out there for for a little Bears Niners yes. action towards the towards Bears the Niners season. December twenty third in Santa Clara. Uh, some Musos are going to be in uh, in attendance and possibly some we'll Roonies. Try and get some Roonies out there. We'll see what happens. Sh- should be a nice nice little time. Hopefully. Uh, Hopefully there is a playoff berth on the line, if not already locked up. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully not. The hopefully they both. Have, well, let's, let's say hopefully both squads have one locked up. And there we go. Just, we're seeing the backups go. We're seeing uh, Chase Daniel go out against C.J. Beathard. Oh, wouldn't you love that? I would wouldn't love you that. love that? Because that would mean the Bears are in the playoffs. Oh, goodness. Well, Matt, uh, I think we've spun the wheels here on the Moose and Moons podcast, episode 70. Before Thank we head guys. out, I just want to give you one quick reminder. Hit it. Notre Dame beat Michigan 24 17 on Saturday. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I did not know that. Just wanted to give you one quick reminder in case people forgot that. Hey, uh, we're on to Ball happen. State. We're on to Ball State. They, they might be. I'm not. We're on to Ball State. We're on to Ball State with that. <laughs> That's <laughs> going to do it. For the Moose and Roots podcast, episode 70. As always, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Uh, we will jump back into that mailbag coming here in the next week. We want to get you our pick specials these last two shows. Episode 71 coming back at you with some hot mailbags. So make sure to jump in there, uh, send us some questions, let us know what you think, what do you know, what do you say, and we will uh, rip it all apart here on episode 71 of the Moose and Runes podcast. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. Football's here. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was... Awesome! <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.